Hey everyone, before the episode, I just wanted to apologize about all the audio inconsistencies. This episode was a little bit of a challenge uh, when we were recording it, and uh, you'll hear that in the edit as well, that there was some mic issues here and there. So once again, I want to apologize about it, but uh, please don't let that deter from your enjoyment of the episode. Before we begin our next episode of Epcot Month, I'm proud to bring in our guest from the Muppets, Sam the Eagle. I think you know why I am here. Yes, to be a guest on our show. We're so happy to have you. You and your friends seem to be very distinguished gentlemen. Uh, by the way, where is your friend? Oh, Dorman will be with us in just a moment. Anyways, we're so excited to have you on to talk about Unbuilt World Showcase Countries. Disgusting. Is there a way to put this on just the American part? Well, I mean, America, the American adventure was already built, but this is about other countries. Good grief. I've been hornswoggled. No, Sam, don't go. You are all weirdos. Well, I guess that's that. It's Epcot Mock. Starring Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan Dorman, Danny Kay, Alex Haley, the Unbuilt Professional Jugglers, and formerly Sam the Eagle. Welcome, world travelers, to another episode of Unbuilt Epcot Month. With me today, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Dorman, and we're about to drink a lot of vodka, absinthe, and mead. Uh, I don't think we're going to be surviving this one. With the day I've had today, Ryan, I think I'm going to need it. So, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long day for me, too. Trust me, we're, yeah. we're really going to need all this booze to drink around the world. But uh, <laughs> today, we're going to be discussing a bunch of unbuilt world showcase countries, and mm-hmm. we actually have a lot here. There's a lot to go through today uh so uh do you have any like anything you really want to get into before we start moving on with the world showcase this is my last chance should i not hold my peace um no i I think i i'm we have a lot to talk about with world showcase we covered a lot of future world last time so yeah i'm super excited to to get into what you have presented for us today yeah i remember as a kid um the world showcase everybody describes this world showcase is like Uh the most boring thing um and that makes a lot of sense uh i'm not sure if uh you're a lot younger than me but if you ever had relatives come uh over and literally show slides from their vacation no never i've i've literally sat through that and it's like these are my this is our vacation to rome and i'll be like oh it's like Epcot World Showcase again. This is so boring. But as an adult, you appreciate it a lot more. And I hope you guys enjoyed this as well, especially knowing the political affiliations and the histories of these countries. It's a Mm. lot more interesting now. Uh, I have to say that most of the countries that are currently in Epcot are not not extremely controversial. Uh, Not right now, I don't think. Except for obviously America. (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, they've all obviously had their bad points, but I don't think, like, they were going to do a Brazil pavilion, like, right as uh, the, like, rainforest was on fire. (laughs) 
and they pulled it last second um but we're not going to be discussing brazil today thank god Uh, so are you are you ready to go right into this main topic absolutely all right let's let's go on to some unbuilt world showcase that was really quick and here we are for our main topic uh so let's talk about the world showcase uh now known for booze food and festivals world showcase was originally thought up as an international dining and shopping entertainment center in walt disney's city variant of epcot a ring around the central hotel in the city's hub different blocks would feature different cultures and would include imported merchandise foreign cuisine dinner shows, and roving entertainers native to many lands. When the city was dropped, Wed sought to include the concept by the Seven Seas Lagoon as the Walt Disney World Showcase. You can see right there in the show notes uh, how it looks, those two concentric rings. Uh, Per D23, this name played off of Walt's 1966 statement that Epcot would be a showcase of the world. In this permanent international showcase, Card Rocker said in May 1974, the nations of the world may participate on a permanent basis to demonstrate their culture and their products. Rendering show a pair of semi-circular buildings located across the Seven Seas Lagoon from the Magic Kingdom in an area adjacent to the Transportation and Safety Ticket Center. Themed environments would be housed entirely inside the pavilions, leaving the exteriors uniform and of similar frontage. Because of this, individual nation pavilions would not compete for each other for the attention of visitors. The WED team conceived the complex as a coordinated series of attractions housed in two semicircular and modular structures. In the center of this was the Courtyard of Nations, that sounds familiar, where cultural events were to be staged along with a major theater complex. Disney at the time hoped that 30 nations would join the project. Plans were hoped to start construction in 1976 and finish in 1979. However, the continuing energy crisis led to the project's cancellation, and the idea was merged with the Future World Theme Center to form Epcot Center. We discussed that last week uh, about the two models being butted into each other. And now centered around a lagoon, World Showcase opened with Epcot Center in 1982, featuring nine pavilions. Mexico, China, Germany, Italy, the American Adventure, Japan, France, the United Kingdom, and Canada. On opening day, there were actually signs for various yet-to-come pavilions of coming soon signage. Heck, even some of it made onto it onto the promotional souvenirs. And you can see it, it's on the brochures. It says, Coming World Showcase, Israel, Equatorial Africa, Spain, and those are three of the four ones that we're going to be discussing today with the likelihood of a part two down the line. And our very first one had Alex Haley, writer of Roots, on the opening day special with Danny Kay introducing it. Alex Haley, I presume? You presume correctly. Welcome to Equatorial Africa. Well, thank you very much. Uh, am I too early? About a year, but it's always nice to see <laughs> I know you've been a consultant to uh, World Showcase since the beginning. So you must have a pretty good notion of what 
we will all expect to see when the African Pavilion opens? Well, for one thing, we plan to show the beauty, the drama, the energy, the diversity of this amazing continent. Well, who should know better about that than the author of Roots, huh? If I remember correctly, Alex, Walt Disney was the one who said, I would rather entertain people and hope that they learn something from it. And I think you agree with that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's the theory behind all these other pavilions that are soon to open. Sir, it was an honor, and I am very, very proud to have talked with you. And I will be seeing you soon. I think I can find my way out myself. You think you won't need a guide? Uh, not this time. Maybe next time. We'll see you in about a year. So this was Equatorial Africa, a rare pavilion that would host not just one country, but multiple, showcasing East and West Africa around the equatorial border. One of the village's central landmarks, this was going to be a village, uh, would be housing a large 60-foot treehouse that guests could climb into to view a diorama of a busy watering hole on the savanna populated by numerous animals. This was done by a rear projection filmed below a observation deck mixed in with a faux sunrise. Per Disney and more, from the center of it, thanks to WDI Imagineer's wizardry and a real movie filmed by cinematographer Jack Kaffer, guests would have an overlook, a waterhole at dusk with wild animals of the jungle coming in to bathe or drink. It would have been a multi-sensory experience as in addition to the far projected 70 millimeter live action film projected on a 20 foot screen was included wind and heat effects as well as scents thanks to Disney's smellicizer technology and HD sound to create the perfect illusion that guests were actually in Africa watching real wild animals. And you could see concept art of kind of how that would look there. So that's you're peering into the watering hole from out of the jungle. And there is also a layout. You can see right when you enter uh, on the left-hand side is the treehouse. And then there would be some exhibit space. Uh, You can go down further for some shopping, some uh, snack bars, and of course a bathroom. And at the very edge of the land, at the very back, is the theater. Uh, The central part of the village, the heritage area, would be a cultural demonstration space featuring performers from different nations. Additionally, an exhibit of African art can be found here. Uh, Also, I wanted to point out this is in the area where the current outpost area is. Right. Yeah, you can see it's right next to the bridge that connects China, the outpost, and Mm -hmm. Norway, right? Yes. Yeah. Am I correct there? Yeah, I think I'm right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, it's, it's Norway, China, and then I believe after this is oh, Germany. Germany. That's right. Yes, yeah. It's Germany. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oops. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the main show was at Heartbeat of Africa at the back of the land in a giant domed thatched roof theater. The show was the story of Equatorial Africa's history told through the music of its different cultures. A pre-show would be dedicated to the history of the drum, while the main show would be a trip through Africa's past, present, and future through the eyes of a traditional storyteller. The finale would conclude in a modern African city at an outdoor jazz concert with lasers being projected onto the screen and bringing the instruments to colorful life. Per 
again, Disney and more, uh, going into further detail before the movie again was a great pre-show, all about the meaning and history of drums in Africa that Ken Anderson described as a tiki room with drums. Drums would have magically played themselves and with each hypnotic beat, light would emanate from the instrument up to the point when rhythms would become more complex and more and more instruments would join in with the elaborate melodies causing the room to be filled with colors, patterns, and music. What's fascinating about the show was the way that Ken and the other Imagineers would seamlessly combine projection on the domed roof surface of the theater and into the film screen. The drum beats from the pre-show have not been interrupted as we enter the fully illuminated theater. Then, as guests would have taken their seats and lights dim, huge drums appearing as three-dimensional as they seem to tumble overhead across a dark sky, sail away like asteroids in space. Idea. Uh, growing smaller as they reach a common vanishing point at the front center of the dome. Out of the zone of the disappearance, something appears. It grows, pulsing with the drum beats, and becomes a decorative visualization of the African continent. Throbbing with the drum beats until we feel that they might be the very heartbeats of the earth. The continent grows and grows and uh, until Africa fills the whole foreground of the dome. Then as it continues to grow larger, we are inside the landmass, zeroing in on the central part where a huge waterway divides the land, the River Congo. The drum beats fade as another picture dissolves from the dome onto the film screen. The lush green treetops and the winding river of an endless forest. Silence. As we then descend closer to towards the trees, we begin to hear the sounds of nature, a hidden insect sawing from the leaves, a bird call, a monkey screech, water song. Down and down we soar like a great bird of prey until we are in the trees. The film itself follows Agriot, a.k.a. storyteller, who instructs us to listen to the rhythm and the music within nature itself in Africa, as image cons- is consistently start on the dome ceiling and transition seamlessly into the film screen. Eventually, it all builds to the finale. We continue to move closer and closer until we zero in on the drum of our old Griot. Closer and closer until only the drum head fills the frame, And then as his fingers strike the skin, we begin to see eruptions we can only describe as visual sound laser light effects, interpreting the music in visual images, colorful, growing stronger as we cut back to the entire group of Jalam. And now each of the instruments is emanating visual musical images erupting from the drum heads, horns, and strings, increasing in importance until they explode in color and motion and take over the whole dome above us. The music plays on fuller and more exciting, and now, but now Darkar and the Gringa and the Jalam change from the realistic to surreal, an incredible display of exploding, melting, drifting African designs dazzling in three dimensions. Really cool stuff. Uh, then the show has ended, and the hostess who greeted us is saying goodbye, interpreting for the talking drums. Farewell, my friends. Farewell. Go in peace. Until we meet again, farewell. Wow. <laughs> Rotating with the heartbeat of Africa show was Africa Rediscovered, hosted by Alex Haley. It was a film that would explore Africa's nature, natural and cultural history, exploring different environments and Africa's status as the cradle of humanity. And then also, in addition to this, uh, as, a part, uh, as a phase two for the land, per Jim L., 
guests could have explored the Sound Safari, which thanks to WDI, then new 3D sound technology, would have created sound illusions. Guests would have walked through a path. Invisible infrared sensors would have triggered the sound of trumpeting elephants, laughing hyenas, and grunting hippos, seemingly out of sight behind the thick foliage. To reinforce this illusion, the Imagineers wanted to set up a system of simple but extremely effective special effects along the Sound Safari Trail. This would have caused some of the bushes in this attraction to rustle in perfect synchronization with the sound of the out-of-sight jungle animal giving WDW guests the impression that there really was something alive and ferocious lurking out there in the bush. As for the Sound Safari Climax, after sending guests across a rickety suspension bridge over a thick jungle that seemed to be full of vicious beasts, the only path of safety for these Epcot visitors was through a darkened cave that echoed with the sounds of lions fighting over a fresh kill. Lovely. The pavilion was eyed for a 1983 opening with, with multiple countries pitching in with financial sponsorship. However, political turmoil prevented many other nations from their donations. Disney was still seeking a large corporate sponsor, and the only one that stepped up was from South Africa, which, if you know the time frame, was currently embroiled in the apartheid regime. Needless to say, Disney backed out, and the temporary outpost, which began during the first year was advertising the Equatorial Africa's coming soon, became a mainstay. Much of the research done for the pavilion was used in the creation of Disney's Animal Kingdom. So, once again, this one is really detailed out. What are your thoughts so far? I mean, it's, you really can't, like deny just how incredibly well detailed all of it is it's really exciting i mean it's one of those designs that you and i have talked about i guess that i don't know i don't know if there's anything really bad to say about it <laughs> it makes it hard to have like a really strong opinion okay. either way you know what it would like obviously this becomes the basis for something like animal kingdom uh and, and a lot of the ways that it'll connect live animals or at least in this case the image of live animals eventually right real live animals into trying to develop a guest experience of like the African culture. You know, eventually it would have become a Lion King ride. But what are you going to do? <laughs> well, Lion King show, you know, oh, that's it, true. It, it's that's funny true. because in the nineties, uh, they put the Lion King puppet show like in the magic kingdom. And then uh -huh. eventually we got the circle of life in the land. Right. But we all know this, this is where Michael Eisner would have just looked over this Pavilion just with the craven jaws. Like people complain about Frozen. People complain about Ratatouille. Right. But this is this would be this would be it. This would be the first strike. Oh, like, absolutely. Shove those lines right in there. Timon and Pumbaa everywhere you go. Hakuna Matata. No, you're you're right. I think um I think that in in the case of the 1990s, we would have seen IP enter the world showcase much much earlier mm -hmm. which would be a which would be a horrible shame right because if if alex haley was putting his writing talent into doing a show for for one of the disney parks to have that be replaced with Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. something uh, as messy as well as good as the old lion king or as messy as the new lion king Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase um, but even, but just strictly talking about the idea, not really speculating on where it would go. Yeah, I hate to say so, this, but um, Alex Haley died in 1992. The Lion King comes out in 1994. So they would be like, well. 
the grave's no longer warm. <laughs> Let's move in. Oh yeah. Yeah. The day that the, the urn got cold, they would have absolutely yeah. gutted the ride and, and said, Oh, you know, he had a good life. And mm-hmm. Kids don't know that. There's no synergy it's a, with roots. It's a shame because that heartbeat of Africa show, that sounds incredible. And, and so uh, intricately no. designed out already. <laughs> yeah. Like it, like it, it's one of those, it's weird. Sometimes we talk about things where there's maybe one or two pieces of concept art that were floated around internally, but something like this is, is basically seemingly done. Like they just, someone they, needed to they, pull the trigger and there's no one like, to help them. They pretty much had the storyboards apparently were done. Like the storyboards were done. All they had to do was go and film it. And I, believes somebody might have said I, i'd have to look back but i think i swear i heard that some of it was filmed already really uh, like that that some of it was filmed already obviously the theater wasn't built and the domed elements i mean that's the coolest thing is that there's there's this film that's interacting both like with lasers which we got of captain eo in 1986 and there's also images on the dome that's interacting with this film screen and there's nothing like that in Epcot. They never did anything like that in Epcot. And the unique thing is that each, yes, we have two Circle Vision shows. We have the American Adventure, which is full of animatronics. And we also have, we have the, the Impressions to France, which is uh, five screens. So there's always like unique, like ways to see films in Epcot. I mean, even... Uh, the whole gimmick of symbiosis in the land was that it was at a faster film rate. Um, and I can't remember if it's, I think it's 30 frames per second. Of course, you had Magic Journeys, which was in 3D. So you were never seeing a film in a different way. Of course, Universe of Energy had the traveling theater. So everything was like a unique presentation. And this was no different. Yeah, I think even just the with the, the basic one with the live action footage of the animals, uh, however, that would have been done. The one that was, you spoke about very, very early. Oh, yes. Uh, the treehouse. Exactly. In the treehouse. I think even even that is, I, I actually, in my mind, I think about like, how would that, would that have actually worked as cleanly as they were anticipating? But it's just I a think, really fascinating idea of like trying oh to God. use a blend of physical. Oh no. And, oh, no. What? Damn, that's where the Lion King characters are good. They would have replaced oh. that. Oh, that's just turtle talk. That just becomes yeah. turtle talk. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go into the treehouse and then Hakuna Matata. Uh, like a Zazu or Pumbaa impersonator. Yeah, that's I think where I, I Pum, Timon and Pumbaa and Zazu mm-hmm. maybe and maybe Yago if they're bored. Uh, uh, yeah, just gets the worst Nathan Lane impersonators and gets something to do. <laughs> I'm Pumbaa. You and I read each other's mind. <laughs> no. um, I think, yeah, I know. I, I think, I mean, obviously that's where you would just throw a bunch mm-hmm. of characters on there and there'd be a bunch of meet and greets with, yeah. or not maybe not meet and greets, but just video of Timon and Pumbaa. And, yeah. And, and people have been like, no, and this was like realistic or something like that. No, the kids are happy now because it was boring. And oh, wait, hold on. And then. 2019 that's right they replace it with the live action link that's right for for six weeks <laughs> they're and like they... bring back the old cartoons yeah Ugh. and bob chapek comes on stage is like we're bringing it back the treehouse is coming you. back <laughs> heard the new pumba walk around character <laughs> Was there ever, I don't think there was ever a Pumbaa walk around character. I think there was a Timon. I, I think there was a Pumbaa, if I remember correctly. I oh. think so. Maybe I'm I'm incorrect. If you were wrong, I, I, I'm going to look this up to see if Pumbaa 
ever was a walk around character in the parks and i can't imagine because like that would be kind of awkward no there never was there was a creepy puppet version uh and i'm looking at this right now it is Hmm. horrifying (laughs) and i will be sending this to you right now and show you exactly why they should never ever 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 do this in the parks and you have been sent it and i want you to look at it all right let's see (laughs) oh my god (laughs) that is funny is like it's timon Timon looks like a normal i think timon walk around has been there before but no looks looks like among us and then okay Timon looks stoned. Pumbaa looks like he's on, he's just taken his first hit of ecstasy or crack, and it's just (laughs) kicking in. That's exactly what he looks like. Crack is very accurate there, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's very, he looks like Among Us. It looks weird. Why is, why does he, it's the chin. The chin doesn't work. I swore that there was a, but I guess Timon was, how do you have a walk around Timon and just give up on the, Mm -hmm. I guess I love how we're like discussing this like incredibly detailed immaculately produced like unbuilt attraction and just immediately go into Lion King jokes that's how that's how much our brains have been smushed by pop culture Mm, yeah I think that I was gonna say the cynicism of D23 might have gotten to our our heads You know, like we, we just were already thinking already on these unbuilt ideas. Like, well, how are they going to replace this with an IP? Is yeah. it Josh tomorrow get up and have a blue sky design for the Equatorial Africa Pavilion becomes Zootopia somehow? I would, I would love to think that the uh, heartbeat of Africa, like Impressions of France, only plays like at oh. 9 p.m. <laughs> plays for it plays like night. one hour. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, guys. No, we can't see Harmonious. We need to catch the last showing of Heartbeat of Africa. What I find so that. interesting. <laughs> what I find so interesting about this is that uh Animal Kingdom came around and did like a different, uh, like a way more uh nuanced take on Africa. I think Harambe is beautiful and mm. it is incredibly detailed. Um, and we're actually gonna be talking about Joe Rody later on but uh, i i feel like joe Rody understood what africa should represent a little bit more but the thing is is that harambe is a little bit more nuanced and i think that uh even though this did have alex haley's cooperation uh this does seem to be a little bit more of a stereotypical view of africa in a way sort of you know the mm. village rather than uh, a little bit more of a modern village. Well, it's such a it's such a summary of like so many different things. Where I think Harambe doesn't. I don't think it summarizes nearly as heavily as this Correct. does. Uh, like yeah. that, the, everything in Epcot tries to be like an overarching stepping mm-hmm. into a postcard right. or history book or encyclopedia mm-hmm. style of the world. Uh, Harambe is a lot more specific. Where it's like, well, this isn't exactly a real uh location, but we have uh the safari. And we have the marketplace and some cultural areas. Mm-hmm. So it's it's doing a very, um, it's very broad, but it's also very specific at what it's mm-hmm. trying to recreate. This, of yeah. course, is more epcot which is just to say that it's more, uh, it skims over the harsher details. Right. <laughs> well, you're not exactly going to Uganda here. <laughs> so no, that's true. Uh, it's not going to look particularly war-torn or anything like that. 
uh, I do feel like it is interesting how the sound safari, for instance, mm. is all about, you know, the animals and stuff like that. And it seems to be the most fun aspect of it. Right. Whereas the heartbeat of Africa, that's really the, the cultural, I mean, just to use the term heart of it all. The, the only That's the only thing. I think that Animal Kingdom's take on Africa is just a little bit more unique and less touristy. But I totally get it that this is going to be more Epcot and more of a overall uh, overarching idea of it. What is interesting, though, is if they did put a bunch of Lion King characters in it, that would be weird that you're going into a village, which is something that we never see in the Lion King. The Lion King entirely takes place within the jungle, and man is a thing that's never referenced or seen, ever. Wait, sorry, repeat what you just said? <laughs> what, 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 what about it? The last thing you just said, you've, you've confused me a little bit. Okay, so in the Lion King, you uh-huh. never see humans. Right. So this would be jamming the Lion King into a supposedly populated village. Uh, you, you don't uh, even think that matters. Look, Frozen takes place in Arendelle. Like, I, <laughs> listen... <laughs> doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter like it doesn't mm-hmm. it wouldn't you know i think that well obviously i guess that's why they handle the festival of the lion king the way they do is mm-hmm. because it's more of like a tribute right a little bit than it is mm-hmm. explicitly well just then, the lion. Then again, there is the circle of life where uh simba just goes yep we're aware of humans pollutions in the world that's right. Yeah. And that's right. And then he gets replaced with the modern family guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I don't I don't think that would provide too much of a difficulty for Disney. I mean you'd be right. Like technically you would have a good argument, but that's as good as any other argument about why Disney shouldn't change things. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I, I think that uh, I hate to lament about something that doesn't exist. So uh, focusing, I guess, on the idea, it really would have been so much more in depth than seemingly any of the other Epcot pavilions at the time, maybe Mexico, I guess. Uh, but to have the two attractions, the theater and the, the sound show mm-hmm. where you would see the animals and the shop and arts and crafts slash food. It, it just seems like this would truly have been one of the more robust pavilions at Epcot. Maybe that's why it took so long. Right. Cause it needed so much more time. Oh yeah. And that's the thing. This was, there's there's three pavilions that were pushed to phase two, and we're going to discuss all three of them. This is the first one. And this, uh, I'm not sure if you've actually seen the opening celebration video, but again, this this was actually featured. They had the model, and really? Alex Haley and Danny Kaye and they talk about it. Uh, listeners have just heard it earlier in the show. This was super close to being greenlit. But as I said, really, it was apartheid that just killed it. Uh, you know, right. South, as South Africa uh, Corporation was willing to spend the money and Disney wisely was like, Haha, no, no, thank you. And <laughs> the pavilion just never was built. And I, I, I think it's a shame. This would have been really cool, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah, it just seems like so many fascinating, new and fresh ideas coming together. I, I don't know. This is one of those I, things that I, I it happened it didn't happen because of a bureaucratic reason not because anybody had cold feet or anything it just didn't get done in the framework that epcot was designed under at the time where right. corporate sponsors really guided all of the experiences that were coming to the park so mm-hmm. you know i suppose it's not unsurprising but it, it is very very disappointing um, right 
and I, I guess Animal Kingdom is where you go if you would like to see most of this come it's to life. Now. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, that's the thing. People often talk about it's like, well, why aren't they ever going to build an Africa pavilion? It's like uh, it, it exists. Just go to Animal Kingdom. It's an entire separate park fee. Yeah, it's like just go there. We'll, we'll get other nations. Maybe never. I don't. Probably never. <laughs> so, you have anything else to say about Equatoria Africa before we move on? No, it just looks like it would be yeah. an exciting thing. All right. So we mentioned apartheid. Let's get even more controversial. Let's go to Israel. <laughs> And there in the show notes, you can see a billboard stating future site, the old meets the new in the land of the Bible, Israel. Terrific. <laughs> it's already way to go. Great job. Hmm. Another plan for 1983 was the Israel Pavilion, funded by the state of Israel itself with the participation of Joseph Wolf, who is a special advisor to the Minister of Finance, as well as president of Israel's tourism board. The entry area to the pavilion was designed after Jerusalem's Lion's Gate with an area to the right leading to the street of modern Israel. The main feature was an amphitheater attraction in the recreation of the King Solomon's Palace based on descriptions found within the Bible. Inside, guests could view storytellers and Israeli musicians. Other items included Jewish artifacts from Tel Aviv on display and a bakery. There was also to be a diorama of Jerusalem at the pavilion's edge. When Epcot's budget overran, the pavilion was pushed to 1985. In that time, Israel's bank system collapsed, and Disney did not want to risk funding a pavilion themselves that could pose as a major security issue due to the political turmoil. Of course, considering the state of Israeli Palestinian tensions in the 80s, one can't imagine why Disney would want to build an Israel pavilion that seems to lay claim to most of Jerusalem. Ooh. Even more bewildering is that Disney let this essentially happen in the year 2000 for some reason with the Millennium Village. The Israel exhibit was the largest one with a motion simulator ride flying guests through Jerusalem. The Arab League began a giant protest of Disney when it was suspected that the exhibit would lay claim Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. It didn't, but it heavily hinted at it, saying that Jerusalem was the heart of Israel. Okay, what were they thinking? Uh, you know, it's like white American syndrome. It's like you can just play willy-nilly with, with culture. and. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, I'm trying to avoid the pitfalls of this conversation. Oh, I know. Here. It's, but it's, here's the thing. You can't deny that this is like easily the most obvious symptom of how naive Disney was in the 80s going into this. Like as, as, yeah. for as much optimism and hope that Cardwalker had, you know, he, he literally wanted this to educate and change and inspire people's minds. But... Like, dude, look at this. The, the the I have the layout right here. Right. And, you know, it's it's one thing to make an Israel pavilion, but but focusing it so much on Jerusalem is like you're just you're just asking for it, man. You're just you're just asking for it. Like the thing was is that the six day war was it's not even twenty years past at this point. It it hadn't even been that long. Like this is still fresh in people's minds. 
Sure. And, yeah. And all these tensions are still going on. I mean, they're still going on today in 2022. Like, I mean, if, if they focused it more on Tel Aviv, would have totally gotten it. But of course, Israel, of course, the state of Israel doesn't want to focus it all on Tel Aviv. The whole idea is that Israel's like, we're the land of the Bible. It's right on the sign. I just, and it's, and again, you're focusing it all on the Bible. I just, why? Why would they consider this? You're really charged up about this Jerusalem thing, Ryan. I, I'm trying to get as non-political as possible. My point is that it's a stupid idea. Okay. I, you can you can see where their naivete comes from, right? It's it's Israel. It's basically like a global institution at this point. You know, I, I think if you're going to represent the Middle East, you have to do it very delicately. Delicately, yes. Yeah, that's especially true. doing it in the United States, especially starting in the 1980s. I would, I would say that this is not delicate, but... No, I, I would say that, yeah, it almost, it picks out a side. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. You're perfect. You yeah, just, it, it, yeah, it picks a side. I, I think... You know, Morocco probably does a more a safer bet oh, there. Morocco's way safe. It's very safe. It is like it is instead of being like this is, I think, a little challenging. Not really challenging, but it's thought provoking. Probably it, this in the is wrong this ways. is this is political. This yeah. is in it's naive. It's naive for sure, but it's still political in that they are trying to paint as no, no, we're celebrating. You know, Israel as, you know, being this cultural touchstone from the Bible and stuff like that. And and then there's modern Israel, which might be Tel Aviv. And it's like, but you're still you're still putting Jerusalem right on display. I'm like, you're not thinking about this, what this says. You're not thinking about what this this is saying to a, to an international audience. That's the thing. That's the problem. Remember Disney's America? Yes, I remember Disney's America. That's all I have to say. That's true. That's true. History, uh, when you do not learn from mistakes, history is doomed to repeat itself. So That's right. You're absolutely <laughs> correct. Yeah, I have nothing else to say. You have besides, nothing else to say. Because you're, trying, you're, you're basically, I am constantly putting your hand into a bear trap and you're constantly pulling your hand away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I it's uh it, it it's one of those cases. I I have I've been like skirting around this point. This section alone might as well just be funny just in how I've avoided talking about mm-hmm. anything here. Um yeah, you know, it it just doesn't seem like a I don't agree with Bob Chapek very often, but I think sometimes it is true that Disney does not engage in certain matters. Um, yes, because I, I don't I trust totally, them to. I guess is what I'm saying. Not that they I totally should, they should is, take a position, but sometimes I don't trust them this, to take a position I like. Yeah, so maybe they just is, shouldn't do it. This is not a position they have to take one on. Yeah, okay? I think this implicitly. Yeah, this isn't this isn't the don't say gay bill. This is right. something they don't ever need to talk about. Yeah, and for some reason they not only almost did it, but they did do it in 2000 and uh, and it's only because israel gave them a crap ton of money and that's by the way that's true uh it was the largest funded it's cost three million dollars and there's no rides there was a ride 
What, what's it was the in ride? The Millennium Village. Are you talking about this one or the, oh. the Millennium Village? Oh, I thought. I'm sorry. I thought you meant this one. No, Maybe the no. Millennium Village. Millennium was $3 Village. Million. Was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. gotcha. And that had this crappy eight minute motion simulator ride. I just. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think we're good on that. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Uh, let's to move anybody on. listening <laughs> who finds himself angry, either way, uh, blame, blame Todd Walker. I, Don't blame me. Yeah, I didn't take a position officially. All I said was that this was not a thing that they should do or talk I, about or even come close to talk about. I actually, just blame Ryan. Yes, blame me. Just blame me. That's fine. Uh, the next one is Spain. So discover the golden land of... And I cannot read the sign because it's so whitewashed out. Uh, And it also says, and Picasso, something, something, and Picasso, discover Spain. Uh, So that is also another billboard. I'm guessing that this one was taken at night. It has a giant flashbulb on it. Uh, Spain has the least amount of information on it. Also planned for the World Showcase Phase 2 in 1983. They were going to open three of these in one year. The country would have featured a journey through the countryside featuring the little-known Eden. There would also have been an additional attraction as well as shopping and dining experiences. The marketplace would have featured both the new and old of Spain. The pavilion was never built because Disney was not able to find a sponsor. In fact, Disney nearly secured funding from the government, but a regime change took over that was younger and thus no longer interested in the project. Then, in the mid-2010s, interest for the project came about due to the in-production Walt Disney's Animation Studios film Gigantic, a variant on Jack and the Beanstalk that took place in Spain. The idea would be to revive the village idea with a gigantic-themed attraction anchoring the land. This, too, would die when the film was canceled in late 2017. I had two comments. Mm-hmm. First, Bob Chapek, think about it. Coco, they speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Coco and Encanto, come on. That's horrible. That's evil. Um, and Second, it was uh, on the, on the uh, poster, it's... Um, uh, uh, was it Segovia, Cervantes, and Picasso? So it's the ah, three. Ah, that's what the, what that's what it says. Okay, thank the, you. The three, uh, the three artists, big artists of Spain. Yeah, clearly, um, clearly my glasses are too dirty today. <laughs> yeah, and the picture was blown out with the biggest like light, like those old eighteen yeah. hundreds mm-hmm. bulbs that would explode right. when you take the picture. Um, yeah, Spain is a great idea. I think Spain lends itself to some really beautiful architecture. Um. Especially the churches, if they like mm-hmm. really did what Disney does best. There's that one church that I I don't know what it's called. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone Googled Spain church and you'll find it. Um, <laughs> but you know, if Disney really leaned into the uh, the design and the architecture of Spain, mm-hmm. the food and the culture, I think that's still an idea that they should come back to. Yeah. You know? Oh, terrific. Yes, but uh, of course we would have, you know, a ride. Yeah, and it would I can't be based on, think of one. I cannot think of anything. And that's the reason why Gigantic got this moving again. Because it's like, oh, hey, look. Look at this. But then again, I mean, even if, like, Encanto. Encanto. One of their biggest films in a long time. Can't get a Columbia pavilion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Gigantic was a was a light year Space Mountain style pitch, seemingly. It was just completely mm-hmm. stupid. It was never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What? 
<laughs> so you just no, no you one guys, was gonna make gigantic that was never gonna come out that was never gonna happen yeah they do pan's labyrinth ride don't they own that now <laughs> that'd be awesome i don't think they own it actually uh you know what i think they might i'm not indiana sure. jones 3 uh, i like googled movies movies <laughs> that, that take place, place in spain, spain. <laughs> that's right disney um, movies that take mission place impossible 2 <laughs> i don't Isn't know if any... oh yeah that's mm-hmm. true. So yeah, I, I, you're right. There probably doesn't seem to be nowadays. They would never do it because there's no good way to actually integrate IP. any property. I think into Spain, and if so, then it's a stretch. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be a huge stretch. So yeah, I don't see it happening anytime soon, mm-hmm. unless Disney wakes up and puts oh, a oh, puts some oh, Spanish thing in there. Oh, I found one. What is it? Is it going to be like Bell's Winter, the DVD special? Oh, oh it, I, I can give you a hint. It is an acquired film, and it's animated. Is it popular? It's not. It's not popular. It it came out versus a very popular uh, Disney movie that, uh, well, technically it's Disney movie that was very heavily debated. <laughs> Song of the South? No, it was Ferdinand. Oh my <laughs> god. Ferdinand. I was thinking like John Cena. I had that the Road to El Dorado stuck in my head. I know that's not Disney. So I was like, what mm-hmm. what could possibly it's like the Emperor's New Groove? And I was like, that's definitely not. That's like South mm-hmm. American. So I was like, what? It came Ferdinand. out against the last Jedi. Hey, hey, put some respect on the name. That was Oscar nominated Ferdinand. Was, <laughs> Starring oh. John Cena, Kate McKinnon. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling like this is not the place to revitalize Ferdinand at the, the World Showcase. That would be a fun ride. You would just go through and Ferdinand would be there and be the first ever Disney ride starring a uh, wrestler. Uh, well, has The Rock been in, in? No, hasn't been in yet. No, I don't think so. In what? I don't think, I don't think The Rock has been in, like, in a Disney ride yet, so... Oh, uh, the journey. Of, can we call it the journey of water an activation uh, or an activation? So not yet, not yet. Maybe I if would, that uh, ride gets ever built. I would pay real money to go to D twenty three and watch Bob Chapek announce, waiting for applause, that the new Ferdinand Pavilion is opening, <laughs> <laughs> and we're building a new pavilion in Epcot. <laughs> in a year, you can meet Ferdinand. <laughs> the bull will be out, and he will be with his fellow goat character and i am looking it up right now and her name is lupe voiced oh. by kate mckinnon uh, I, I so spain is i think a great idea if they had done spain i would have been all for it in fact they probably should do spain what they should do mm-hmm. honestly is close the refreshment post and build spain <laughs> who needs it but no ip no ip i would, put, would you would you take it even if you had to put ferdinand in there giant bull you go in and there's a china shop so you and go they in just release and a bull in it there's, there's a china shop but there's like a bull like every corner and Ugh. the thing is is that it's a game you literally you have to walk around the bull and the bull's like like frozen in space like i'm not gonna, I'm not gonna break anything and then if you if you touch the bull he's gonna go nuts and he's gonna break all the china and then you have to give a bunch of money to disney we're wrong by the way there are more movies that take place in spain 
in Disney movies? Yes, there's Babes in Toyland, The Cheetah Babes. Girls 2, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, and I believe there's a scene from Muppets Most Wanted. <laughs> That's right, there is a scene from Muppets Most Wanted. <laughs> But I don't remember Babes in Toyland. Who remembers that? That that took. Uh, is a scene that he plays in Spain? I don't know. I haven't seen Babes in Toyland. Yep. Neither have I. Um. I think you know. It, it obviously, of the uh, well, we've talked about three interesting ones. We have uh, Africa, Equatorial mm-hmm. Africa, which would become Animal Kingdom, mm-hmm. but could very well find its own little niche of a Lion King attraction in mm-hmm. uh in a. a uh, what the hell is it called? Oh, Epcot. Yeah, I know. You know? Uh, like Epcot is my, I have my, my phone case says Epcot in big number, big letters and numbers. And I don't know why <laughs> it hasn't clicked. Uh, then we had Israel, which will never happen, hopefully, <laughs> because it's just, see, I could not be there on Twitter for that day. It would be like the clash of every group on oh, twitter god. oh my um, god i couldn't imagine it we're building an israel pavilion everybody goes, why why are you doing blue this? sky the israel pavilion <laughs> josh tomorrow's on stage and it's like we were thinking of an israel pavilion <laughs> like the entire crowd is like unsure of how to react everyone's just incredibly angry <laughs> it's like do we applause I don't know. I usually applaud. I don't know. Is there any Disney movies that take place in Israel? I don't know. The, the, and then they... <laughs> I gotta watch what I reference here. I, be, I was about to say oh, something. No. Oh, no. I wasn't going to say anything bad. I was just going to... No one needs to talk about the West Bank or anything. <laughs> um. Anyways, moving... <laughs> Moving on, Spain is also a neat attraction, but it doesn't really have it. It lends itself to an IP-driven opportunity, at least in this today's day and age. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the IPs that would go in there are movies nobody's heard of, cares about, or never came out. Like Gigantic, perhaps Pixar will do something soon with Spain, but until then, um, yeah, that just seems like un- unlikely just because mm-hmm. there's no... A merchandise opportunity right they, they can't do a blue sky opportunity where they say well, you know your favorite blue movie sky. blue sky blue skies <laughs> blue sky golden studios. sunshine blue sky, blue sky studios that's it that's josh tomorrow got up on stage and said who's ready to see some blue skies and everyone at all the blue sky people at home stood up and said oh my god i have a job i have a job again thank god thank god you know i thought the they were gonna just make the bad ice age ripoffs forever <laughs> <laughs> all right what's next <laughs> okay well yeah, i'm pulling you off track here our last world showcase country we're gonna keep a bit mum on for a second as we view a pitch video by the walt disney company made to woo sponsors in 1992 are are you ready to watch this finally finally okay <laughs> finally, all right yes i'm excited i think watching old promotional stuff for the disney parks is one of the true pleasures of doing any disney podcast true that's very true okay so let's let's get through this right now (laughs) since the days of the early spanish explorers florida has been a destination for travelers from around the world soft green horizons crystal clear waters 
and skies of a startling blue have combined to lure both the adventurous explorer and the traveler in search of sun. They're just talking about Florida right now. This is this is just all pitch. Disney chose Central Florida as the his vision of the perfect family resort set amidst great natural beauty. Wow. When Walt Disney World opened in 1971, the magic of the Disneyland Park was combined with exciting new hotels, transportation systems, and recreational opportunities. Today, Walt Disney World covers an area as large as the city of San Francisco and can accommodate <laughs> over 30 million oh. guests every year. This unique combination of hotels, recreational activities, and I'm Disney learning. entertainment. Oh, yeah. Disney World it's almost as if they're trying to pitch something. It's, it's working. I would buy it. <laughs> for travelers from all over we don't even know what they're South pitching. America, as well as Europe and Japan. She, I wonder what they're pitching. Greatest dream was <laughs> and who they're pitching it to. Epcot Center. The experimental prototype Mickey, community get down of from there. <laughs> combines two themed areas. The first is Future World. Mickey Mouse standing on top of the Okay, so, so oh. far, so far, we've had a lot of talk about what Walt Disney World is. Mm, I and, love Walt Disney World. <laughs> and it's very glossy, and they finally moved on to Epcot Center. So again, this is like slowly building as if they're talking about what this is to potential investors who might not even know what Disney World is. And it's like, let's remind you of what this is all about. Hmm. It's very hype man stuff. A series of pavilions dedicated to a hopeful look at the future, dealing with issues like energy, communications, and the environment. The second area is World Showcase, a global village made up of pavilions representing nations from around the world. Gathered around a central lagoon. Again, it's just like building up to it. Shows, innovative films and rides, the cultural, it's all B-roll, talking about World Showcase. Of its mm. native land. Staffing these showcase pavilions are young people from the host countries, dressed in authentic national costumes. Most of them are students who spend a year in Florida acting as friendly ambassadors offering each Epcot guest a personal experience of the arts, <laughs> the food, Young the people. language, and hospitality of distant cultures. Today, wow. Epcot Center's I World Showcase Epcot. Lagoon is circled by... So, again, very much trying to say, hey, you can send free labor over here to advertise to your country. It's just kind of funny just to see how they build the pitch throughout this whole thing. And it's like, will you get onto the point? It's two and a half minutes so far. We still haven't gotten to it. 11 pavilions representing nations from all corners of the globe. Germany. Norway. Mexico. Morocco, the United Kingdom, Japan, France, Italy, Canada. Now again, it's like you can you can join all these China. countries. 
and the United States. Epcot has never looked like that. There have never been that many performers out. A circle of nations that celebrate differences and shared human values. Yet the circle is not complete, and the roll call of nations and cultures from around the world has only begun. In the northwest corner of World Showcase lies five acres, awaiting the arrival of the newest pavilion for the global village, Russia. Boom! There we go! Russia, baby! <laughs> we have our first eye on some concept art. And what, how do you want to describe this? Uh, there's a big Kremlin there in the middle. It's uh, St. Basil's Cathedral right there. Uh, close enough. I don't know nothing about no Russia. <laughs> I'm no commie. Uh, it is elegant and it is huge. In fact, if you look at the concept art, I think it would be the most elegant and expansive of any World Showcase pavilion ever. Mm -hmm. It is just so big. Yeah, it is true. It really is. <laughs> so this is crazy, and it's only going to get crazier. Condensing this giant land into a single pavilion is the task of the Walt Disney Imagineers, the creative team of artists, architects, Imagineers. You're going to see a very familiar face. The there he is. There's Joe Rody. Oh, oh yeah. There he is. To the ever-changing present, set amidst groves of shining birch trees, the famous domes and spires of Saint Basil's wow. Cathedral will rise above the red I'll brick walls in that of I didn't Moscow. Know it was <laughs> Beyond the walls lies a rustic hamlet of log buildings, carved and decorated in traditional Russian style. Statues and famous monuments set in a wide plaza evoke the genius of Russian art and poetry. The main attraction of the pavilion will be an 800 seat theater like the little girl making mouse ears. Entitled, Russia, the bells of change. Russia, the bells of change is our big attraction here. To create this attraction, Disney is combining forces with Europe's premier theater designers to produce an innovative state of the art theater. Look at that thing. <laughs> huge so this is a giant theater with a round stage now it has a rotating platform if you've ever seen hamilton you'll you'll recognize it uh and you would think that this would be a performing artist theater so i just want you to keep that in mind big enough to tell russia's epic story peasants and czars Poets and revolutionaries, common men and extraordinary heroes fill the tale of Russia's never-ending quest for herself. From the days of Jesus. old Kiev to the revolutionary barricades in modern Moscow, the continuing awesome. evolution of a great oh people God. becomes the focus <laughs> of this, this dynamic thing. show. This incredible the giant models. theater itself comes to life with epic scenes from Russian history. The coronation of a medieval czar the revolution of 1917 and the launch of a Soviet spacecraft oh are all part of an extraordinary journey filled with a cast of epic figures from across the century. So you can see it, it's like incredible, awe-inspiring sights. So if you see the, the all those stage scenes depicted, you're still thinking, I'm guessing, an elaborate theatrical experience with live performance, right? Yes. I don't know how else they would have done it. 
it looked very open because there was like no it wasn't as uh broken as American Adventure. Oh, in a setting unlike any other at Walt Disney World. Spectacular set pieces, a live narrator, film montage, a cast of audio animatronic figures. <laughs> wait, whoa, wait. Did you hear that? Is it like a car carousel progress? <laughs> I don't know, but looking at this, I don't know how the heck you do this with audio animatronics on that type of stage. This would be even more elaborate than the American Adventure. Well, it seems like the theater rotates, right? So maybe that's what's happening more than possibly. But I don't know how they would get all of that. Mm. Yeah, it just seems incredibly complicated. Yeah, see, it like rotates like that. Yeah, and a sweeping musical score will bring to life the songs, the triumphs, Funny and the passion of the people <laughs> of Russia. In addition to the main show, the pavilion will also feature a ride based on a classic Russian folktale, Ivan and the Magic Pipe. So not only do we have this insanely elaborate audio animatronic show, we also get a ride. Where guests will board a magic troika to the enchanted, colorful world of Slavic fairy tales. There, they will follow the adventures of Lazy Ivan. A good-hearted peasant lad whose lucky encounter with a magical fish sends him on a quest across the landscape of medieval Russia. Strolling through the rest of the pavilion, guests may stop to dine on traditional food, shop for crafts, or visit Another a gallery displaying Russian art and cultural artifacts. It's like two, I think. In the center of the pavilion, oh, that's like, an yeah, open true. square resounds to the rhythmic or beat four. of traditional <laughs> Russian dance and the immortal melodies that Russian composers have given the world. Music. History. We're just seeing Drive. a bunch of images. The Look at treasures. this. this is Look at this. Look at this image of the theater show with this massive train on stage. Just like the origins of cinema, the train's going to come right for the audience. And <laughs> so, no one will get out of the way. There's just this giant train that's on the stage right now. And it clearly, I don't know how they would do this with like set pieces or animatronics. It very much looks like very theatrical, very Broadway, mega yeah. musical. I, I just, I, I, I can't. Of Russian genius and the warmth of her people. A nation's story that enfolds the world in its timeliness. All here in Walt Disney World's newest World Showcase Pavilion. So, <laughs> what do we think? That is the most amazing thing ever. I can't wait to go to Epcot and learn. <laughs> uh, but but it's, it, isn't that incredible? Like how much they were laying it on thick of how insane this was. Yeah, it's interesting. This is something that only could have happened post, like, Reagan, I guess. Post Reagan and the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, but pre-Russia evil monsters. Mm -hmm. Well, not that that ever changed, but, yeah, um, you know, pre-nowadays where everything is absolute fascism. So I think... <laughs> um, it is an it's a fascinating idea, and you look at the scope, and it's just so ambitious that it's it's attractive. It's, it looks like a really neat pavilion. I don't really have any qualms with it. Uh, the 
the problem with this all is that okay so i think it's very blue sky and it's very much yeah. them pitching to pretty much russian companies they're right. putting this in front of russian companies and goes this is what we could build if you put x amount of dollars towards it and this is definitely the blue sky pitch like i don't think much of this would maybe make it but needless to say this seems to have been pitched during the collapse of the soviet union is when this is being pitched Mm -hmm. i wonder why it didn't happen yeah Uh, money probably was pretty tight yes (laughs) extremely tight i i'm i'm shocked that disney even attempted this at all like that they actually were like well things are clearly going great over there Let's fish them for money for this insane pavilion. Imagine Russia having the coolest pavilion in the entire world showcase. I mean, I, I I couldn't be mad about it. I mean, obviously, I think it's blue sky. Maybe one or two of these things mm-hmm. would have actually made it in. Maybe the courtyard wouldn't have been as big and the cathedral wouldn't have been as big. But I, I, I think that they really just put incredible amount of effort in designing the intricacies of this stuff. And it's a, you can tell it's a Joe Rody thing, right? Because it's so... I don't know, you that same design philosophy of really just putting the effort into the detail. Yeah. Uh, just permeates through here. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I, there's really nothing else to say but the fact that I am so torn because there's really cool stuff in here mm-hmm. to the point where I don't know how they would achieve it. Right. But at the same time, you are absolutely right that uh it's super cool and yet could you imagine if this thing was still here right now yeah i don't that's the thing is also there's no real movies to put there is there anastasia that no <laughs> we were talking about no Fox properties anastasia. ferdinand yeah the ferdinand and the russia pavilion yeah exactly um yeah i think i don't think it. i think so uh are we going to talk about whether these things should be built because i think that that is a nice segue especially for this Mm -hmm. is that now nowadays one of the things you have to overcome when you talk about these these additions to world showcase is do you build them or not i think in this case Mm -hmm. you could only have built this at a very specific period yes and you probably wouldn't have been able to keep it around for very long. True. Um, but I think that, you know, during a very specific period in the early 90s, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. This should have been built. It's, mm-hmm. it's so exciting. But nowadays, hell no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I wouldn't again, go anywhere near that. We, we talk about the what ifs. What if this existed? It would have been bulldozed. It would have been bulldozed. <laughs> it would have been closed off. Yeah. Disney has announced that it will be retiring I, its Russian pavilion. I don't know. Maybe now that I think about it, the China pavilion's still around. True. True. And China's China. China evil. does have. Yeah, it does have it. I just feel like Russia was so much more politicized on a. I guess you know if right now. if United States had a Russia theme park in its uh, in its walls, then nowadays Tucker Carlson would be. <laughs> going on and on and on and on about how oh they blame the Ru- us for colluding with the Russians and yet you know what I mean so I think it is a hot Disney. button yeah though I do think China is also incredibly hot button I think that if you keep it very historical I I don't see any reason why this wouldn't be able to stick around mm-hmm. I also think that because there's no movie related to it not off the top of my head at least that Anastasia. it would be a very long time before any of this was replaced. 
So I think I, I wish this was built. That's, that's the thing. I, I'm, I'm torn. I like, do I say I wish it was built? Maybe. And maybe if we had some video of this, the Ivan ride, the sleds, the dark ride. But even the <laughs> even the actual stage show itself is just insane alone. It's it's so impre- it's impressive enough on its own. I just still don't know how they would do the animatronics. They they just wouldn't. Yeah. Okay. So you said that you wanted the Spain Pavilion to be built. Yes. Uh, and I, I would like to see equatorial, and equatorial Africa. Africa. Yeah. So oh, I'd say cool. Spain, equatorial, equatorial Africa, and Russia. I like all three of them. Okay. All right. All three of them could go in the parks. And I am mum on Israel. Yep. I, I got nothing no, to say. Yeah, I have nothing to say. And nope. I will say that I am torn on Russia. I don't know. Torn on Russia. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so confused. I, I mean, I don't particularly like recognizing the existence of Russia. Russia has been around for hundreds of years, right? Like the there's Eastern Europe and, and all that. I, I don't think yeah. we necessarily leading to as big of a problem as something like Israel, which mm-hmm. is a, by definition, like a political state. Right. Exactly. Um, that is still like in its infancy of mm-hmm. replacements and things like yeah. that. So I think that with, with Israel, I think you take a lot of political flack that with mm-hmm. Russia. Yes. You know, there's, there's going to be political flack. Yeah. But that's, that, I think this is the case with any country. True. That's true. That's true. No, you have a great point there. You, you know, take that's that the problem risk is it. yeah. when you do anything with involving and, multinationalism, and this, by the way, this, this might be why, they're so bullish on adding countries. Absolutely, because you have to pick somebody who won't be your enemy or somebody else's enemy in fifty years. Mm-hmm. And because then you'll you'll create a whole mess of marketing. Mm-hmm. If your That's goal true. is to make like pleasant marketing, then yeah, you, it doesn't seem like you can do that. True, true. Uh, so that does it on our world showcase overview of some unbuilt countries. We will be talking about one unbuilt country in the future, but I mostly wanted to save it because I'm more interested in the attraction that it had. So look forward to that. Uh, I will give a hint that if somebody has a banking account over there, they might be in trouble. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so uh, anyways, uh, before we uh, leave today's Upcomp Month, uh, do you have anything else to say? You know, I better watch my tongue. You've been trying you to set watch. me up to say some horrible exactly. things today. I know. Um, I think that the World Showcase, I want to, uh, we can conclude. We can a little bookend. You talked about your World Showcase experience as an mm-hmm. adult. I'll talk about mine. Sure. I never got World Showcase. Never <laughs> understood it at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And I was a kid and I would always stay in Future World when my parents went over to World Showcase. Nice. I would like go sit around the Fountain of Nations and do that. But nowadays, now that I've learned the the pleasures that are alcohol <laughs> uh, it's a more palatable experience the more you mm-hmm. drink although it is incredibly boring so i think that one day something is going to happen to have to happen to world showcase to bring more people in it to make it as engaging as future world and uh let us cross our fingers that it is something as pleasant as the africa pavilion or the spain pavilion and uh uh, leave others by the leave way others out of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> smart idea we're smart done idea. we got canceled for this ryan yeah, this is we're done. We're done forever. We should have never. <laughs> no, done, this is just cut out half the show. 
So in the meantime, please follow us on social media on Twitter at UnbuiltPod. You can reach me at Open Mother's Mail and Ryan Dorman at Open the Dorman. Feel free to email us at UnbuiltPod at gmail.com and rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Anchor or wherever you find this podcast. Please write a review and tell us how we're doing. And if you don't like us, well, guess what? Grand Fiesta Tours, other than El Rio de Tempo, there I said. Good pick. <laughs>